I don't know if you saw the major motion picture made about the Yarnell Fire and Brennan's life as the lone survivor. It's an incredible piece, and we are very honored to have him come next week for our Let's Talk About It series. He's going to be uh, describing the pain that he went through uh, being the only survivor and losing all of his, his friends and colleagues on that mountain. And he's going to explain how that sent him into a tailspin of depression which led to an addiction that just grabbed a hold of him. I can't think of a better time for you to bring someone you care about. And it's not that they may be addicted to something, but all of us have someone in our circle that we care about that's been racked with addiction. And Brennan's gonna be here as our guest. We're so honored to have him. Don't come alone. There's somebody who needs you to introduce them to this series next week. Now, this week is also an incredible topic. We're talking about depression, and it is a heavy issue that people deal with. And we brought in a friend of our church who's helped our staff, trained our staff. He's a phenomenal resource, and Ashley was so excited to be here to interview him today, but uh, he had gone out of town to a conference, and when he got back, he learned that he had been exposed to COVID. And so he doesn't have any of the normal symptoms of COVID, but he did get tested. He has test positive. He feels great. He's doing great. His family is safe. But would you please pray for Ashley and his family as he goes through the normal isolation period? He'll be back in action soon. He's doing great. Thank you for uh, your prayers for them. But that leaves this great honor for me to introduce a friend of our church. It's been a friend of mine for over 20 years, uh, a really valuable resource on this topic. Uh, and I just want you to welcome my friend, Mike Foster. Man, we're so glad to have you here. Make, you, make yourself here, comfortable here. Mike, uh, you have been at this game of counseling people in all kinds of areas, but especially depression is such a heavy topic. Um, tell people a little bit about what you do and uh, how you seek to help people uh, with the issue of, of depression. Yeah, so I'm a counselor, an author, and I speak about these topics of mental health and, and spend a lot of my, my week in one-on-ones with people, and whether it's you know, executives at large firms, to soccer moms, to, to teenagers, people, people who are struggling. And yeah, I, so I, when you say you spend a lot of your week, like you told me 1,600 hours during COVID with, counsel, with counseling patients. It, it's been a busy season. Uh, oh, and I think it speaks to the amount of pain and suffering that's been infused into our society over the last few months because of, of COVID. And so there's a lot of a lot of pain in the world. And I, I look at that as an incredible privilege to be with people in those moments and to help them process and to find hope and find best practices to help kind of move, move towards really their goals of, of thriving in their life. And so I always describe too, my, I, I think of myself a little bit like Mr. Rogers uh, and a Navy SEAL kind of combined Wait, hold together. Wait, on, hold on a second. Got to wrap my mind around that, Mr. Rogers, Navy SEAL. Okay, go on, got okay. it. So I think for those who have been watching for the last two minutes, the Mr. Rogers part is probably a little evident because of just, you know, the way I look and the way I talk. And it's really <laughs> just the 
I think kindness, compassion, grace. I want always want to meet people there with just exorbitant amounts of that. But the Navy SEAL part is uh, really the challenge part and empowering people to make positive choices for their lives. I think so often, especially with depression, uh, we start believing certain messages about our future and our life and who we are. And they, those messages are very confusing and often are not true. And so helping people find their heart, which would be the Mr. Rogers part, but also helping people find their backbone. And that would be mm. the Navy SEAL mm. part and this idea of wherever our life is, no matter how, how much suffering or pain or hurt or trauma that we've experienced in our lives, that there is a way forward to, to hope and to, to love and to really find the, the path that Jesus has for us. No, I can see like you're like the Mr. Rogers up here yeah. and then the Navy SEAL, like you got the guns. You man. are way too kind, Mark. Um, <laughs> so the, the gym has been your therapy during COVID. It, it is, I'm gonna be really like super transparent right now. I think one of the two emotions that I have been struggling with in this season for my own life is sadness and anger. Hmm. The, those are my two emotions, and I have recognized that in my own heart and in my own life, and I've seen those two emotions kind of come out sideways in terms of my family and marriage and with friends, and, and so my solution, my Navy SEAL activation, I have to process these two very rich emotions. I have set up a gym in my, my garage and have been working out very hard. I have this thing called an assault bike, which you kind of ride like this, and they, they call it the devil's tricycle. It's, it's just a horrible machine. But I just go, I'm angry and I'm sad. So. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool because you grunt in the gym instead of shout in the, in the living room. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you're doing something also that I find really unique called fun therapy, mm. which those, that's an oxymoron to me. Yeah. <laughs> so d- describe what you're doing. Yeah, so it's a, fun therapy is a podcast that, that I do and we've had a, almost 2 million downloads. It's, it's really wow. popular on iTunes and Spotify. And what's interesting is that all, all I do is, it's like you're, you as a listener of the podcast or like a little fly on the wall, listening in on a conversation that I'm having with a client. Now the client knows that they're being recorded. And we just talk about real things. I always start off the podcast uh, with the question, what don't you want to talk about today? And that's wow. where we begin. And they, and they like, share their deepest, darkest secrets for the world to hear. They do. And I think one of the things that, that I've realized in doing the podcast and really just doing this work over the past 15 years is that if you give people a chance and a safe place to share their story, they will. That's amazing because I would think you would need to be like a Yoda, like mind-bending people to be honest. But what you're saying is if you just give them a space to share their pain, air their hurt, that's so valuable that they will say anything no matter who's listening. Yeah, I, I, I know it's true for my life and I think those who are listening and watching right now, we all have something within our story that we know we need to talk about. Something that feels um, sacred but also scary to, mm-hmm. to share out loud with somebody. The wounds from our, our childhood, Uh, fears, uh, struggles, whatever that might be. And I think if we as Christ followers can create an environment and a place for people to share 
uh, risky things, brave things. And the, not only are people healed through that process of doing it, just like getting that stuff out and talking about it. And number one, realizing, I think one of the great things about the Fun Therapy podcast is that people realize as they listen to other people's stories, they don't feel so alone in their own mm. pain. They realize that, honestly, we are so much alike in the experiences that we have and whether they're experiences of depression, anxiety, trauma, fear, whatever is going on in our story, that we're, we're all kind of navigating the th same thing. And it's what tools are we leaning into? What community are we reaching out to? How are, are we hitting, are we going in, yeah. taking our anger and sadness into the garage gym? You know, it's like, what are we doing with that? And I think my, my goal is really just help people not be so afraid and to begin to talk about it. Well, tell you why that, why that hits me so strong is this whole series, Let's Talk About It, we're really targeting two different audiences and sometimes the same person with both. We wanna to talk to the person who is hurting mm -hmm. and we wanna to talk to the person who is helping someone hurting. And often I think to be a therapist, you have to have these like mad skills and have this education. And what I'm hearing you say is a normal person if they just lean into listening, can give an incredible gift to someone who's in pain just to hear their story. Yes, without question. I think it is listening, active listening, is one of the, one of the tools, most important tools that we can bring to any relationship, whether it's the person's hurting or not, but especially with people who are in pain and struggling with depression, with anxiety, with a mental health issue, we don't wanna show up on the scene and, and try to fix and solve and let me give you the three steps to you know, solving this problem for you. But I'm good at fixing things. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> yeah. but, no, but that's a mistake I often make um, with my own personal relationships or even professional counseling. Yeah, and so I always tell people and encourage people who wanna help those who are struggling. I say, don't fix it, feel it. Don't fix wait, it, wait, say that again, it. that's so good. Don't fix it, feel it. Yeah, this is where empathy comes in and to me, compassion and kindness. When we stop the urge of, that, that initial urge of trying to fix something or solve something or even speak, like let me give you my opinion. When we can pause on that and we can listen and actually allow what that person is sharing about their life and their story and their history and their struggle, that we empathize it. You know, empathy is really about my heart connecting to your heart. And that's the feeling part. Mm. And so the better you get at doing that, the better helper you're gonna be. You know, I just, as listening to you talk, I just put something together that often we speak, or all personalized, I speak because I feel like I have something to say to them. Mm -hmm. The greater gift is assuming that they are wise enough to say what they need to hear themselves. Totally agree. I mean, you just, that is a foundational idea in all counseling that I do, that people are smart. They know, they know themselves better than I know them, mm -hmm. better than you know them, better than uh, family members would know them. They know themselves. What they need is somebody to listen, and somebody to hold space as they process what they're experiencing and feeling in their life. That is so good. So let's dig into the topic of depression. Mike, how, how do I know if I'm depressed or how do I know if someone I care about is depressed? Yeah, so I love, I love uh, Father Gregory Boyle's 
kind of simple definition of depression. He says, uh, depression is a lethal absence of hope. Mm. But as we look at depression, we need to understand it is a very, very complex issue. It isn't just sort of one word or one diagnosis. It, it's, it has a lot of different factors to it. And so, you know, there is a, certainly a psychological, mental, emotional factor. There's, there's a spiritual soul factor. Uh, there's a body, physical, physiological factor of depression. So, and typically when we talk about depression, we maybe lean in on one, one cure for it or one solution for it. And really the dialogue needs to be much broader and holistic. You know, for me, as I think about depression, I, I kind of think of it as a, a murky soup of things that are in this bowl of our life. And there's, there's typically trauma inside of that bowl and uh, loss, unresolved loss and, and pain and childhood suffering. And it's all sort of mixed in that soup. And it's just being cooked by our body and cooked by our mind. And there's this pressure cooker on that soup. And, and so for us to sort of be this is what I think is so unfortunate often is we bring very simplistic uh, ideas which often stigmatize people who are struggling with depression and make people who struggle in this area feel less than mm. um, when really this is a very complex issue. And I want to say too that depression is a normal emotion. We, I, I think sometimes we look at our emotions like anger, depression, sadness, these sorts of things, and we go, well, I shouldn't be experiencing this. I should be happy all the time. I should be joyful. So there's something wrong with me if I'm experiencing depression or anger or rage. Exactly. And you're saying there's not. There's not. I think one of the things we have to just come to grips with is we are human beings who will experience all kinds of emotions in our lives, all, have all kinds of seasons. And the goal is to, yes, become emotionally fit and process these emotions and talk about the things that are going on inside of our, our inner world. But we don't want to judge or shame ourselves or judge or shame anybody else because they're experiencing these things. Often when I'm working with a client, they'll, they'll come and they'll say, I am depressed. Mm. And I always say, well, time out, time out. You... I am depressed is a statement saying that you are depression, right? That this is somehow your new Who I identity. Am. Yeah. yeah. Versus I like to say the, the better language is I am experiencing depression. Okay. And, and saying that this is a, this is an experience. It's not an identity. Mm, that's so good. Well, it's interesting as you're talking, cause you know, I live in the, in the Bible world, uh, all these emotions of anger, sadness, joy, those are all, those are all emotions that God experiences. Mm. So it's, there's nothing wrong with me if I'm feeling that. I'm actually expressing part of the nature of God in me. Um, but I want, I want to circle back to something you said earlier. Depression is a physical experience, emotional experience, and a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. The Bible call that body, soul, and, and spirit. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about what our body experiences and maybe what we can do physically to address that side, and then we'll move to the spiritual side. Well, I think this is what some really 
great news for all of us who are listening, especially if we want to help somebody or want to, want to help ourselves and struggling, and we're struggling in this area, is engaging the body is one of the most effective things that we can do to help move us out of the state of depression. And there's lots of research around this. And one of, one of the studies, a great study, well-known study, says that that they took a group of people who struggled with major depression, major chronic depression. This wasn't just sort of depressed people, but majorly depressed people. And they took this group of people and basically prescribed 20 to 30 minutes of walking each day. That was the prescription. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. Put on your, your tennis shoes and sneakers and go for a walk for 20 to 30 minutes. Well, they tracked this group of people and found that 65% of them after the study ended, after just doing the 20 to 30 minutes of walking every day, were no longer depressed. Now, wow. is it a silver bullet? No, again, because depression is complex, right? But just that one thing of engaging the body, they found that the, the aerobic activity, the being outside, the vitamin D, the just getting the blood going, lift, it was such a powerful mood lifter for this group of people. And so, you know, walking, physical engagement, just even changing your environment. I say, you know, if you are, maybe you're having a really uh, rough day, you're feeling low, you're feeling sad. I encourage people, get outside or change your room, change the room that you're in, uh, move your body, because these are, these are really practical, yet very simple things that we can do to help move us through this, this experience of depression. Yeah, so thinking about the, the two people we're talking to is the person experiencing depression could put their tennis shoes on and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. The person who loves someone experiencing depression could get two pairs of sneakers out and take someone for a walk. That's really good. So one of the questions that a lot of people like get stuck on is, I've had a bad day or a bad week. How is that different having a bad day than having depression? Yeah, so I like to think of it this way, that inside of our, our bodies and inside of us, we have weather systems, just like we have weather systems here in, in huh. Phoenix. Yeah. So I think you guys basically have one weather system, sunny and hot. But, uh, um, no, we, have, we actually have three seasons, early summer, midsummer, late summer, and hell. <laughs> right. I, I understand. I understand. Um, so, you know, think of it, think of it as... Uh, that's, that's good, hell. Um, think of these weather patterns moving through our, our heart or our insides. And you know, sometimes those weather patterns are blue skies and sunny and yeah. uh, a nice Phoenix day. Sometimes it's windy. Sometimes uh, maybe it rains and cloudy. And the problem where, where we want to be really aware and wise whether it's with our own experience or somebody who's a loved one or a friend, is when a weather pattern moves in and it stalls. Like, let's say a stormy, rainy, cloudy weather pattern moves in, and we'll call that weather pattern depression, and that stalls, and it just begins to rain and rain and rain. And obviously, when a weather pattern like that stalls, it's going to have impact it's going to start flooding things. And impact of, let's take this from weather systems to practical. You know, when we watch somebody begin to withdraw from relationship. They're stalled. They're stalled. Isolation. A lack of care for their, their own hygiene or their, their appearance. Just um, a disinterest 
you know, being disinterested in life or their future. These are warning signs that something might be wrong where a weather pattern has stalled inside of me mm. and I need to take some next steps. That, that's really helpful. Um, and you were talking, you live in San Diego, you were talking about those who live too close to the beach get too much fog mm -hmm. and the fog can stall there. That's really a, a helpful, uh, helpful comparison of the weather, weather patterns. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the spiritual side now because often most people who are listening uh, are Christians, have a kind of a biblical worldview, and often we feel like if someone is depressed, we need to cheer them up. Praise the Lord, brother. You know, just, if you just had enough faith, you could get rid of your depression. Yeah. Not helpful. No, unfortunately, no, but I think it's a lot of, a lot of times we go to that. We, we, um, we're basically dismissing somebody's experience in that, that moment. The, the, I wanna say like we need to feel whatever we need to feel. Wouldn't it be, one of the things that our society is really messed up on and very dysfunctional around, and I think that has transferred into the church, is that uh, we negate feelings of sadness. We negate, it's, it's get over it, right? We love that kind of like get over it, power through. Again, that's Western culture to the nines, that's typically sometimes even what church says, like, hey, we need you to be happy now because you're kind of bumming us out in our small group, all right? And um, that, that's unhelpful, and I think it's, we are not empathizing at that moment, so I always tell people, put your pom-poms away, okay? We do not need a cheerleader. We need a listener, mm -hmm. we need uh, a friend, we need somebody who, yes, will put, will join us on our 20 to 30 minute walks. We need, yes, somebody who can encourage us, but, but not to the point of saying like, you need to get over this, or I'm here to fix you, or there's something wrong with you, we need to get you over here. It's saying, let's, I will join you in the process of healing, but honestly, everybody's healing process looks different, the time frame looks different, the things that are helpful look different, and so I think kind of our goal is just, hey, let me love you, and um, be your friend and listen, and also understand that God is doing stuff here too. Like I think there's so much of like, I gotta take control of this, I gotta fix this, and we forget that God is working, and I also encourage people who wanna help people who are struggling, we do this in community. It, we don't need any Lone Rangers or Superman, or we don't need Supermans or Wonder Womans to come in and save the day. We all have a part to play, and you play your part, and somebody else will play their part, and, and we'll help. But coming in and kind of dismissing somebody's experience, cheerleading, get over it, pom-poms, not helpful. You know, you know I, I just put something together just now as you were talking, that often we say in the church, we kind of put up a happy face and we act like everything is good when we, when we come to church. But it's not just the church. Instagram does this, oh, Facebook course. does this. This is kind of a natural bent. Um, we've talked a little bit about the spirit, spiritual side and the physical side. Talk to us about the mental side and how our thoughts are playing a role in depression. Yeah, one of the things that we've learned uh, over the years is that, that human beings suffer from what we call the negativity bias. And that basically means is that our thoughts skew negative, and pretty significantly, by the way. So 
they, they figured out that we have about 12 to 60,000 thoughts a day, which is a lot of thoughts. Yeah. And I consider a thought to be bits and pieces of data and images kind of popping into our brain, okay? So, and I always think I'm probably more at the lower end of thoughts. I'm like, I want a cookie. I want yeah. <laughs> to eat chocolate. <laughs> Men do have a nothing box. Yeah, we're, we're kind of we, like, we, we I love that box. <laughs> but still, there's a lot of thoughts happening in Mike Foster's head during the day. And the majority of those, in fact, 80% of those thoughts will be negative. 80%, 80% are negative. Are negative thoughts, and that's the negativity bias at play. And that it, makes I-10 frightening. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it, here's the other shocking thing, Mark, is that uh, about 95% of those negative thoughts are actually just repetitive thoughts. So I just wow. say the same negative statement, same negative thought, same negative belief over and over and over. Stuck again. on repeat. Yeah. And so that's why we have to get really smart and strategic about our thinking. And, and there's a lot of misconceptions about our thoughts. One of the misconceptions is that our thoughts are wise. Another misconception that our thoughts are true. Uh, another one is that our thoughts are orders to be followed. Okay, so if, I'm, if 80% of my thoughts are negative mm-hmm. and 95% are repetitive and I believe they're true and I believe that I should obey them, I, will, I can naturally, I can see why depression is so easy to fall into. Uh, what's, the, what's the solution? So the app, the, and that's so true. And like, that's why we need to stop sort of judging depression. This would be like, of course we're right. depressed. And not just because of our thinking, but because of our experience. Real loss, real grief, real struggle in our lives, losing a job. Like why can we normalize this and say like, yeah, this is a struggle. This is a real thing. So one of the things I encourage in terms of our thoughts is asking two questions. Asking the first question is, does this thought help me become the person I want to become? Uh, and number two, the second question we should ask about our thoughts, any thought that might feel repetitive, um, negative, repeating, is, is this thought accurate and complete? So let me, let me take a time out here, because we'll, we'll pause on those two questions. Um, but when you say we have this negative thoughts, part of me says, well, I just, I'll just change my thoughts to positive. But you're suggesting this is biologically based that like as we developed as human beings, part of the survival mechanism Mm -hmm. is that fight or flight, which helped us survive. I'm not going to change the stats on my negative thoughts. So I need to change how I deal with those negative thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to those questions then um, and play that out. What does that look like for, for a dad? Yeah, well, let's say, (laughs) I'll just speak from my own story. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I had kind of a blow up with my daughter, my teenage daughter, 19-year-old living in the house. It's hard, people, it's hard, okay? (laughs) Doing my best. (laughs) But I, uh, you know, I had a a not great moment as a father. And and so, yeah, I start thinking, I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad dad. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. And all of a sudden, I'm, I have this thought in my head, and I need, now need to investigate. I need to apply those two questions. So question number one, is this thought helpful to helping me become the person I want to become, or even the dad I want to become? Well, no, it's not. Number two, uh, is this thought accurate and complete? 
Well, no, it's not because uh, I am not just a bad dad. I'm also a good dad who's done a lot of things over the years that have been positive towards my relationship with my daughter. And so when we can uh, begin to investigate our thinking, challenge our thinking, be aware of our thoughts. We cannot stop thoughts. That's, that's, that's a big uh, misnomer that you can just block thoughts or stop thoughts. Thoughts are going to come in and the, the key is to ask those two questions, investigate them and say, okay, am I going to choose to believe that I am a bad dad or am I going to choose a different concept and belief about who I am? Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the person listening who is depressed right now and saying, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not worth loving, so, a, a, as an example. This is really helpful because often their friends are saying, no, you are worth loving and let's you know, just think brighter thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna change those thoughts. Investigating the thoughts is really a more helpful path and ask, is this thought gonna make you a person worth loving? No, and is this accurate and complete? That's really helpful. And what strikes me about it, just when you first started and said, we've got, to, we've got to examine and we've got to investigate our thoughts. It sounded pretty complex, but the way you describe it, anybody listening, whether, whether you're online or whether you're on a campus, you can, in fact, investigate your thoughts. You're smart enough to do this. You're like, God gave you the capacity to investigate your thoughts. Mike, that, is, that takes us forward quite a, quite a little bit. You mentioned isolation. Talk about that a little bit for the person experiencing depression. What does isolation look like and what does it do to us in depression? Well, to me, it's, again, taking our thinking and our thoughts. One of the the more helpful things when we're struggling with uh, depression and stinking thinking, it would be to begin to talk about our thoughts. See, I, I know that when I begin to speak things that are not true out into public in my, with friends and people who care about me. And all of a sudden, even as they come out of my mouth, I realize like, yeah, I don't, that isn't true. <laughs> that isn't accurate of who I am or, or my, you know, again, depression really is going to laser focus on destroying hope laser focus on saying this is as good as it gets. Depression is going to, to sap you of all the energy of actually pursuing relationship and, and, and really getting help. And so that's where it can be very, very problematic. And so again, community is such an important part of this. A safe community where we are engaged with people, isolation, it's, it is deadly. And so we've gotta be very aware of if the storm, the, the weather pattern is stalled, we, we know, we just have to be aware, like my natural tendency is to disconnect when the very thing that I actually need is to connect with somebody. Well, I'm thinking about Elijah in the Bible. Even some of the greatest prophets of God experienced these really dark seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what Elijah did was to run away from his community, run away from his family, and he hides in a cave. And God came to him in the cave and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I think God is maybe coming to someone in their cave right now and say, what are you doing here? And God reminded Elijah, the thought that really got traction for Elijah is I'm all alone, I'm all alone. 
It's exactly where God met him and said, no, you're not alone. I have 5,000 other prophets that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And I would just hope that someone hearing this would realize God's engaging you in the cave and saying, no, you're not alone. We, we have groups for you. There are people around you who love you. The thoughts that seem so logical in your head, in isolation, if you will give them the light of day, put it in front of a community, you will see them for what they really are. That would be so helpful. Okay, Mike, um, what, what, do we, what do we do from here? What, what's our next step? Well, here's what I'd say. Number one, um, take a step. <laughs> I think so. We can talk about you know, the engaging our body, engaging community, uh, beginning to uh, investigate our thinking. The key here, Mark, is we can talk about this stuff all day long, but it isn't until we say, yes, I need help, which are powerful words, by the way. If those are just the first three words that you mm. get out uh, of, the, of what we've done today, and you say that to a friend, you, you text that to a friend, you email, you call somebody, you tell a family, I need help, that is an incredible start. So here's the Navy SEAL coming out. Yes. You gotta do something. Do something. You, can't, you, you don't need to do everything, but you do have to do one thing, one, one thing. step forward. Yeah, and then I think the other thing that uh, would be very, very helpful is, is understanding that uh, there's, a, there's a practice of, I just call reframing, and where, where we look at a picture, and it's so easy when we're struggling with depression to see uh, a portrait picture. And the portrait for photographers, you already know this, would be kind of tall. You know, it's a tall picture. It's, it's this way. Uh, but there's also a, a reframe. If we reframed it and we put it landscape, and landscape is a wide picture, and when we're struggling with depression, it's going to give us one point of view and one, one look. A at portrait our, selfie. It's probably a selfie. And the only person that we see there is us. And depression will say, you're only going to see your mistakes. You're only going to see your failures. You're only going to see uh, a hopeless future. And if we can reframe and help people reframe and go landscape, mm. what we'll see is that there are people who are for us, with us, we can see so other good. aspects of, of our gifts and our strengths and, and the contribution that we make to the world and, and, our, and our friends. And so just a simple reframe is a, is a great other tool in terms of taking a step. But here's the thing. You have to take one step if you want to get better. That's so good. Man, I, we are so glad that you've been able to come out here. I, I want you to close us out with the word of hope. T tell them the story you told me backstage about that doctor friend of yours. Yeah, so I have a friend who works with people in Salt Lake City. He's a nationally recognized uh, chronic pain expert. And he deals with individuals who experience physical chronic pain every single day of their life. And he, you know, there's a pain scale of one to 10. He he's typically working with people who are experiencing pain on an eight, nine, 10 level, which mm. is extreme pain. Like that is, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very, very difficult experience for these individuals. And so he, he can provi provide uh, medications and some therap uh, treatment, physical therapy and some treatments to help their body. But he told me when we were talking about this issue, one of the number one things, the most important thing that he does as a uh, pain specialist, 
as a medical doctor is that he makes sure that he does not destroy somebody's hope. Wow. Because he knows the moment he destroys a patient's hope, basically saying, not, he's not promising, hey, we're gonna move from an eight, nine, or 10 to a one, two, or three. Like, we're gonna be able to eliminate, you'll be completely healed, this will be all better, no more pain. But the fact that he can say, well, it might get, it can get a little bit better and we can find improvements and we can maybe get you from an eight or a nine to a six or a seven. That's what, that's the extreme nature of, the, of what he's dealing with with people. But he goes, man, if I destroy their hope, I lose them. And so for me, one of the most powerful things that we can do for people, and even when we're in the midst of a very dark depression, is we need to hang on to hope. We need to amplify hope in our lives in all different ways. And I think that's the beauty of the church. Yeah. That is the beauty of community. That's, I know that this, that's what CCV is all about, to continue to amplify hope for people in their lives no matter where they're at. That is so good. Aren't you glad you're here today? Can we just express our thanks to Mike for being with us? God bless you, my brother. Thank you. Mental illness is the crisis of our day. And long after 2020 is gone, I think we're going to see that there's more consequence long-term for mental health issues than even COVID or the economic crisis. As a church, we feel a moral obligation from God to engage people where they're hurting the most. We can't just let this go by. When Jesus was here on earth, he didn't just preach the gospel and tell people how to get to heaven. He healed their physical needs. He engaged them right where they were. And as a church, we wanna engage people right where they are. I know a lot of you are hurting right now. We've talked today about depression. And we don't want you to get stuck in depression. Look at this word, watch it carefully. We wanna help you press on from your depression. We wanna help you press on from anxiety, press on from addiction. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And so press on is going to be a watchword around here for a while. In fact, it's going to be a campaign that we're gonna press into. What does our press on campaign look like? Well, it starts here and it starts now. If you need help, as Mike said, the most powerful thing you can do is simply raise your hand and say, I need help. And we wanna make that easy for everyone. If you need help, we want you to text HELP to 72020, H-E-L-P to 72020. Just on your phone, text HELP, and within 24 hours, someone from our staff will call you on your phone. We want to hear your story. We want you to give voice to your pain because your pain is sacred, and we want to treat it as sacred. And on the phone, we wanna pray with everyone who texts their need for help. And we don't wanna end there. We will have a referral for you of a counselor, a counselor that we vetted, a Christian, biblically-based counselor who we can send you to for the help that you need. And you might say, well, I don't know that I can afford counseling. What if we helped pay for it with you. 
What if we made it affordable for you to go to counseling? Would you get the help that you need? And look, folks, we have been doing this for years. Not to this scale, but we have been helping people afford the counseling that they need because we feel like we want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus right now. And you might ask, well, it's not me that needs the help, it's a family member. Would you help them even if they don't go to CCV? Yes. Yes, we will. Well, what if, it's, what if it's someone that I work with, someone who they don't even believe in God? Would you help someone who doesn't believe in God? Yes. They're a child of God, so yes. Our vision as a church is to reach the entire valley for Jesus Christ. And so yes, we're gonna help anyone who texts help to 72020. And you might ask, well, isn't that gonna cost a lot of money? Yes, it's gonna cost a lot of money. And that's why we wanna ask you to help those who need help. You've always been generous as a church. And for the next few weeks, we're gonna receive your donations because as the holiday season comes on, depression rises. We need to tackle this head on as a community. And so there are two ways starting right now that you can give. You can go to our website, ccv.church forward slash press on. And there you can make a donation to this. We know you want to, we know you will. Or if you're using the app on the phone, you can just go to the CCV app. There will be a tile that says press on, press it. And it'll take you to the screen where you can contribute to our Press On campaign. This is a big deal. I've never heard of anything like this in any church or any other organization. But we believe that the people of God want to step up and stand in the gap for the city that we love. This is our valley. This is our mission. And if you are here at CCV because you believe in the vision, you've bought into the mission, we want to give you an opportunity to invest in this Press On campaign. Every single dollar you give to the Press On campaign, every dollar will go to pay for counseling for someone who is asked for help. We are so proud of you as a church. You have every single time risen to the challenge to meet the greatest needs of our day. This is the issue of our day. Let's press on together. I wanna to invite you as we close, whether you're online or on campus, to read aloud this prayer from the Apostle Paul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Be well.